4: Hey folks, welcome to the LiveWire podcast. My name's Luke Burbank. I'm your host of this podcast and also of the LiveWire radio show, which is what we are really here to hear. That was a little bit repetitive. Um, Our theme this week on the Live Wire radio show was tight five, which is not something dirty, if that is where your mind went, which, by the way, was where the minds of many of the live audience members there at Mississippi Studios apparently went to. Uh, It's a stand-up comedy term. You'll hear more about it coming up in my monologue. But what we did this episode of the show is we got uh, some of our favorite stand-up comedians together and we had them give us kind of like their best five minutes of material. And then we talked about stand-up comedy and it was an incredible show. It was kind of different from anything we've ever done before. And I think we're going to do it again in the near future because it uh, it was kind of a hit. I am sitting here in Bellingham, Washington, where I happen to live, got my yellow lab named Rudy conked out right behind me. For people that listen to the other podcast I do, TBTL, uh, they are well familiar with this, but in this little office that I work out of, uh, I've got a dog bed for the dog, because she likes to hang out in here when I'm recording stuff. And then my wife went to one of those nights where you, um, you know, you go with your friends and you have some wine and you try to paint something. And she painted a picture of our dog and, God bless my wife. She possesses many amazing qualities. Painting is not probably one of them. So there's a kind of (laughs) questionable painting of the dog that is framed and installed on the wall right above where the dog is currently sleeping because we like to keep it as meta as possible here in the Burbank household. Um, I've also got a slice of coconut cream pie because it's a Sunday and I'm not an animal. And I have some coffee that I... Decided for some reason to heat up in the microwave right before I started recording this, but I put it in for two minutes, which is way too much time to microwave a cup of coffee. It is, I turned it into some sort of molten lava-esque product, and I've been too afraid to even take a sip of it, but I'm going to do it right now. It's been, I don't know, 10 minutes since I did this. We'll see how it turned out. Still too hot. Still very much too hot. This is the second edition of the LiveWire podcast in its new and, we hope, improved form. How did we improve it and make it new? Well, for one thing, I'm here at my house talking. uh, And uh, for second thing, we have started to solicit emails and voicemails from all of you out there in the LiveWire radio audience. And we actually got some this week. And we're going to read them to you and even play you a voicemail coming up. And uh, I'll just keep you posted, I guess, on how it's going with this cup of coffee because this is riveting, riveting podcasting. Uh, For now, though, let's take it to Portland, Oregon and Mississippi Studios and tune in for this edition of LiveWire. We called it Tight Five. Check it out.
0: From PRI Public Radio International, it's... LiveWire! Recorded in front of a live audience in Mississippi Studios in Portland, Oregon, it's LiveWire with comedian Eliza Skinner, Alex Falcone, Bree Pruitt, and Anthony Lopez. Jones and our fabulous house band, and now the host of Livewire. He's headlining at the Funny Bone in Tempe, Arizona, this Saturday night. Luke Burbank.
4: Thank you, Jason Rouse. Thank you, everybody, for coming out here to Mississippi Studios. We have a fun show for you. Our theme this hour is Tight Five. A lot of you probably uh, don't know what that's a reference to. It is not, as it might sound, when you give someone a high five in a phone booth or some other constraint. I try to keep the um, jokes really current at the top of the show, which is why I do a lot of phone booth humor. Um, type five is a, is a term of art from the stand-up comedy world, and this is when the term would be used. It's like you're a comic... And you want to go up on stage, there's an open mic or some other kind of a night of comedy, and you get to the venue, and you realize that there are already too many people signed up. But you have to go up there because there's a comedy-shaped hole in your heart, and you need to get on stage. So you find your friend, who's the MC, who's putting the list of performers together, and you say, I have a tight five minutes on phone booths that is going to kill And they let you go up, hopefully, because your tight five in comedy is like your best five minutes. It's like a really good, really polished little gold nugget of comedy. And I feel like I know a little bit about the terminology in in stand-up comedy because I tried to become a stand-up comic, unsuccessfully so. When I was in college, I went to a lot of open mics, and there was this comedy club in Seattle that had... Four different nights, that all had different names. One was called Hick vs. Chick, one was called Queer as a $3 Bill, one was called Urban Comedy Night, and I forget the fourth, and all of the nights were the same 10 of us, <laughs> just get, trying to get on stage for a couple of minutes. And it was kind of, it was tough sledding at first, but I, I started to kind of figure it out a little bit and, and, and figure out my act, and, and eventually, I built it up to the point where I got the call that they talked about, A promoter had been at a show of mine and and offered me kind of a dream gig, which was to open at the Crazy Moose Casino in Pasco, Washington, (laughs) which was about 400 miles round trip from Seattle, maybe $120 worth of gas at that time. It paid $25, (laughs) so it was tempting. It was actually tempting because I realized this is what you got to do to be a stand-up comic. This is what stand-up comedians do. They drive far distances. I mean, when they're starting out anyway, they'll go up anywhere there's a stage, anywhere there's a microphone because they've got this story they want to tell and they want to interact with people in this, in this art form. And I was considering doing this because I knew if I did it, I'm going to become a stand-up comedian. If I don't drive to the Crazy Moose Casino, I'm not. And I decided not to do it because I was so afraid that I was going to drive all the way over there and that the people at the Crazy Moose Casino were not going to like my jokes. Also, what didn't help was they told me that I was going to be standing in between the slot machines and the carving station of the buffet. (laughs) Did not seem like an ideal comedy environment. But I have to say I have a ton of respect for stand-up comedians because think about how gutsy it is to just go up on a stage. It's just you and a microphone, probably a brick wall behind you for some reason. (laughs) I don't know why that's the backdrop of like every comedy club, but it's such a brave, brave thing to do. I decided not to become a stand-up comedian. I made a beeline right after that decision into the world of public radio, (laughs) which is like the amniotic sack (laughs) of performative arts. It's warm, it is judgment-free. And it is exactly where I want to be right now with you doing this LiveWire radio show. (laughs) Meanwhile, meanwhile, hold on. Meanwhile, we do have some actual stand-up comedians that are going to come out. This is what we're doing this episode of LiveWire. We have some of the best comedians in Portland and some great comedians from out of town. They've each gotten their tight five together, and we're going to bring them out, and then we're going to talk to them about comedy, and we're going to have a great time. You guys want to do that? All right. When we decided to do an entire stand-up comedy show, we knew we would want to combine forces with Earthquake Hurricane, uh, which, along with probably being a new movie starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson, um, is also one of the best nights of stand-up comedy here in Portland, which, because it's Portland, it also happens in a bike shop. (laughs) It's like a zoning thing. It's in the cycling-slash-comedy district of town. And uh, we are so excited to have some of the folks from Earthquake Hurricane here to give us their tight five. So first up, please welcome Bree Pruitt to Livewire.
3: Yes! Oh my gosh, thank you guys for having me here. I am so stoked to be here. I got all dressed up. I look like a little cupcake. I am feeling good, man. I just turned 32 years old. I know. Great. I look great. I, I'm all about aging. 32, whatever. Bring it on. If it means that I'm spending another year, look like another 26-year-old, fat Kardashian, I'm into it. That's... I'm the accessible one. Um, you can definitely keep up with me. Um I'm very slow. But I... <laughs> The only thing that's changed, you know, that now I'm 32 years old. A lot of people ask me, when are you settling down? When are you going to have some children? Uh, people assume that I enjoy children because I'm, like, chubby and loving, and I usually have cookies in my purse. But <laughs> I don't want to go down that path. I'm not trying to have babies. Um, but babies are really trying to have... Me, they're trying to get involved. Ba- kids love me. Babies love me. You, I don't know, babies will stare at me at the grocery store, and then you play that game of can I make a face at the baby quick enough that the parent doesn't catch me, and then I'm weird, and I get kicked out of the grocery store. Um, or I'll be like at a bus stop, just mind my own business, and a toddler will just scramble into my lap and start whispering secrets to me. I'll be in a big crowd, like an airport or farmer's market. A little kid will just walk up, grab the corner of my cardigan, and be like, hey... Where are we going? You look like my aunt. That's pretty big burst. Do you have any cookies in there? And I'm like, yeah, I do, but they're for me. Just get out of here. Scram. You gotta shake those kids loose before you get your smell on them and the mother rejects them and then you gotta raise them. That's an imprinting joke. Y'all are laughing at a bird joke. Yeah, it's a it's a real problem. They don't make birth control for children that are already alive. It's And I'm not, no, not something violent. I mean, like a bear bell or a repellent, something to warn them that I'm not a safe bet, you know? Like, ding, ding, ding. She doesn't know what a 401k is, and she smoked pot before noon. Run! And then they s- scatter. Um... I do smoke pot. I'm a, I'm a legal weed smoker in the state of Oregon. I just come out uh, to my family. Um, and um, my mom, you know, is concerned. But, you know, she kind of asked me, because she's like, how does it work? And I was like, well, if you go, you go to a dispensary, you, can, you, someone like you, could buy a joint. And you could smoke that joint probably once a day for two weeks and be high as a kite. And that would cost you $10 to $12. And she goes, oh, so this is really affordable. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yeah, mom, I'm doing like the bulk food of addictions. I'm all about it. Thanks, you guys, so much. I'm Bree Pruitt.
4: <laughs> Bree Pruitt. <laughs> Bree, what is the first joke you ever told?
3: So, I am a quarter Korean, and one of my first jokes was about the word Oriental because many Asian people will tell you that Oriental is a word that is evil and fills our heart with flames. And I thought it was very funny that people still throw that word around. So I uh, told a joke where I said, um, I look like a white person, but I am three quarters white and a quarter Oriental. That's right, my mom's mom was a package of Top Ramen. And it still works.
4: That was one of the first jokes you ever wrote. That that's, was one of the first jokes, yeah. That's a pretty high concept joke. Sounds like you came out hot writing well, comedy.
3: Yeah, and then people started laughing at the part where I said Oriental, and I was like, nope, gotta go. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. Right, because
4: people uh, misunderstand who the joke or what the joke is on. That's right? right yeah. In that case, it would appear, because there's nothing more funny than just breaking comedy down and diagramming it, right? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, what we yeah. know about comedy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, like uh, the, the joke there is on people who misuse that word. It's Correct. not on people who are Asian or Asian Or American. enjoy
3: Top Ramen. Or, who, <laughs> who could fault those people?
4: Ramen Americans should not be judged for their love of high, high-sodium products. Um, what's the worst place you've ever done comedy? Applebee's.
3: Or? Applebee's. It was at Applebee's. I was at Applebee's. It was at Applebee's. And we did stand up while people were taking dessert shooters, and... The, the thing I remember is that if you tank in an Applebee's, the crickets are fajitas because you'll say a punchline and sizzle nothing else.
4: So then you're like bombing and also starving. <laughs> Despite having uh, heard the <laughs> fajita crickets at an Applebee's, yes. why do you do comedy?
3: Uh, to, to, be, to be perfectly serious with you, it was, a, uh, it was actually a really practical decision because I wanted to do performance art, and I was started with acting, and I didn't get booked in anything because people don't put chubby girls on stage unless it's to play like an 80-year-old woman in a Shakespeare play with age makeup on. So then I quit acting, and I started doing improv and sketch comedy, and you need like eight people to do that, and those people kept getting married and having babies, <laughs> and I wanted to just do this all the time, so stand-up was the most practical way for me to do... Performance comedy on my own, and now I love it so much because I get to tell my story, I get to shine light into some places of shame and like despair, and it feels really good uh,
4: That is a solid answer thank you how do you how do you deal with hecklers
3: so I typically when I am heckled, it is a man uh, and that person is trying to shut me down for reasons of not enjoying an empowered woman on stage. And typically, when that happens, I try to get the female audience members to shame that man. (laughs) And then he gets up and leaves. It's happened. I was in a coffee shop in Vancouver and a man in all camo thought he was gonna heckle me. How did you even see him? uh -uh. Yeah, exactly, that was my, that's what I said. (laughs) And I, you know, I, I uh, told the ladies, like, yeah, this, see, this is, this is what happens when you use your voice. And it was more of a political moment than a funny rejoinder, but, ah.
4: Uh. But it worked. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is a public radio yes. show. And so we, we thought we would test your skills at uh, doing kind of verbal tai chi on Ooh. some public radio heckling.
3: I can handle these cream puffs. Well,
4: wait till you hear what they have ready for you. Okay. We, we have actual members of our studio audience who did not know this was going to happen when they came in uh, who are now going to deliver some sweet, sweet public radio heckling burns. Sir, what is your name? Kurt. Kurt, where are you from? Missoula, Montana. Oh, man. That's like ground zero for heckling. Okay, so Bree is up here doing comedy. You're talking, and then... What is this? All things not funny considered? <laughs> Whoa! What do you do with that? Who
3: let Nina Totenberg in here? Is that the person? That's a person. What? Recruit, ladies and gentlemen.
4: This is Live Wire Radio coming to you from Portland, Oregon. Stay where you are. We'll be right back. All right, it's Luke again, back in back in the home broadcasting studio. Um, here on the Live Wire podcast. How funny is Brie Pruitt, by the way? Brie Pruitt is, is great. She's uh, part of Earthquake Hurricane there in uh, Portland, as mentioned. Uh, she's also on Late Night Action, which is a show very similar to ours that is uh, co-hosted by our good friend Alex Falcone and also Brie. And uh, they record at Mississippi Studios if you're ever in Portland and you hear about Late Night Action going on. The show uh, that Alex and Brie put on. You should go see it. If you hear about other late night action, that is, that's a decision between you and your conscience. You do whatever you want with that stuff. Um, These are a couple of things we want to tell you about. One, Livewire gets support from Ergo Depot. Ergo Depot believes in bringing life to work, in creating more, in dreaming more, and of course, being more. And it all starts with a different kind of desk. A lot of us have office jobs. I said us, like I am one of you. I don't really have an office job, thankfully, uh, for me. I have a job where I travel around to bizarre locations and stand in front of cameras and, and behind microphones and say things and continue to be amazed that people allow this to go on. But if you're one of those folks that has an office job, you're spending a lot of time at your desk probably. And you need a desk that helps you move around and be as healthy as possible. And that is exactly Ergo Depot's speciality. Like they've got the Jarvis stand up desk. The Jarvis stand up desk, a version of the Jarvis stand up desk, is what I use when I'm recording live wire. It goes up, it goes down. You can uh, set it at specific heights and it will remember those heights. So if, you know, maybe you like to stand extremely erect like a board on like Wednesdays. That's your day for standing that way. But on Friday, it's like the weekend's coming, you want to kind of let your hair down and maybe you want to hunch a little bit. And maybe those are two different heights of desk. You can tell your Jarvis desk a, a Wednesday height and a Friday height, and it will remember, and it will do that exact thing. It is amazing stuff. They've got all kinds of cool things that are going to make your life better and healthier over at their website, ErgoDepot.com. All right, back to the LiveWire podcast. Coming up, we have uh, amazing musical performance from Aaron Jones. Uh, we've also got stand-up comedy from Eliza Skinner and a bunch more. So don't go anywhere. This is the LiveWire podcast. Welcome back to Livewire Radio, coming to you from Portland, Oregon, and PRI, Public Radio International. <laughs> My name is Luke Burbank. I'm your host. This is our all stand up comedy show. We're calling it Tight Five. We've got another member of the earthquake hurricane team here, one of Portland's finest nights of comedy. Let's welcome to Livewire, Anthony Lopez. <laughs>
5: Thank you. So it's funny talking about uh, wanting to do stand-up. Like, I didn't want to do stand-up as a kid. Like I always loved stand-up. But I sort of failed into this career path. Anyone else fail into their career here? <laughs> like growing up, until I was 16 years old, I swore there was never a doubt in my head I was going to do one of two things with my life. I was either going to be one, a Pentecostal preacher slash faith healer, or two, the WWF World Heavyweight Champion. There was never any doubt. Those were the only two things I wanted out of my life. I either wanted to use my hands to touch people and raise them up out of wheelchairs, or I was going to use my hands to chokeslam people through tables and pit them in wheelchairs, you know? That was it. And one day, when I was 16 years old, I realized I was never going to do either. And what happened was, when I was 16, uh, the second most exciting thing of that year happened to me. Number one, WrestleMania. It's early in the year. (laughs) That summer, Benny Hinn came to town. Do you guys know who Benny Hinn is here? Anyone? If you guys don't know, Benny Hinn is the rock of Pentecostal faith healers, right? (laughs) He's super charismatic. He just has what it takes to be a star. You like him. You trust him. Pits on a hell of a show. Very entertaining. A Benny Hinn show is a lot like a gore show. It's not for everybody. <laughs> but if you get a chance, you should see one. It's a hell of a show. <laughs> so at this point in my life, wrestling and God was starting the fade. Because growing up, it was very easy to believe in God. And as you get older, you need to start to feel the power of God. And I really needed to feel it at this point in my life. So I went to go see Benny Hinn. And I was like, that's it. I'm going to feel God tonight. I know if one guy is not going to let me down, it's going to be Benny Hinn. So I went, watched the hell of a show. It was an amazing show. Came out, did some preaching, did some faith healing, did some singing, some dancing. It was great. And near the end of the show, he was like, all right, now we got, the, for the closer, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pit the power of God in all the youth here. And I was like, holy crap. That's literally what I came here for. <laughs> what a score. So I ran up on that stage. With, like, every other teenager in this place, like 100 other teenagers, I get right to the center. I was so excited. I was like, all right, this is happening. And Benny Hinn goes, the first thing we got to do is get everyone speaking in tongues. And you guys know what speaking in tongues is, right? It's the thing Pentecostal religious people do when it's like the power of God moves into you, and you speak this magical language. And I was like, oh, my God, this is it. I'm on stage. Benny Hinn's not going to let me down. I'm totally going to start speaking in tongues. This is it. And I'm standing on stage, and everyone around me so speaking in tongues except me because I'm not feeling it. And I look over at my friend Levi, and he's speaking in tongues, and that's messed up because I know what him and Katie have been doing the past few months. <laughs> and God's going to touch him but not me? What the hell? So I lean over to Levi. And I go, Levi, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm just making stuff up. <laughs> and I go, is everyone in this room right now simultaneously making stuff up? But no one like, looks over. They just think they're the only ones making stuff up. Is that what's happening? So I was like, I didn't want to be the one person not just lying to himself. So I was like, yeah, also speaking in tongues. But I was really quiet about it. Because I just knew at any moment Benny Hinn was going to be like, hey, everyone, shut up. Was that kid just making stuff up? Did you hear that? I felt it. So at that point, I needed to feel God. I needed to feel it so bad at that point. But it was cool because Benny Hinn was about to do the closer, was about to do his finishing move, which he was going to go down and put his hands on every kid and put the power of God directly in him. And I was like, this is it. And I'm standing there, and he's going down the line, and all these kids are falling down. And he gets to Levi, and Levi goes down like a sack of potatoes. And I'm like, yeah, take that, heathen. <laughs> and he gets to me, and I'm like, this is it. I'm about to feel the power of God. And Benny Hinn puts his hands on my face and i don't feel so much as the power of god as much as i feel like a uh, like a sweaty con man's hands on my face <laughs> it's it's a very subtle distinction and i think oh it's probably like a battery i'm not making enough skin the ha- skin contact so i like rub my hand into his like my face into his hand thinking that's it. And he takes that as some kind of weird threat. So he's like, this kid isn't showing me up on my show. So what he does, he takes a step back, takes a step back forward towards me, puts another hand on my face, this time secretly puts a hand on my chest and just shoves me to the ground (laughs) as hard as he can. And the second I hit that ground, that was really tough because I realized right then that if he could push me over so easily, I was never gonna make it as a WWF wrestler. (laughs)
4: Thank you very much. Thank you. Anthony Lopez. Thank you. Anthony, what's the, the worst gig you've ever had?
5: I had to do, like, very early into my stand-up, I did a uh, Portland's Funniest Posting contest, and I did one show that was, uh, it was so bad. No one laughed in my entire act, and it was so quiet in the room that a guy tried to very quietly in the between like uh, a joke, go lean over to his wife and went,
6: This guy really sucks.
5: <laughs> but it was so quiet that everyone could hear it. And I still had like another five minutes of my act at that point. And I was just like, Yeah, that guy, that guy's right, huh? Only laugh I got in my entire act. <laughs> That's it. That was real bad.
4: That's the kind of thing that would make a lot of people quit comedy.
5: Yeah, but it's the type of thing that really kind of makes you fearless. Because, like, that sucks, but the next day, like, if that's literally the worst it can get, I went through high school. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that wasn't that much worse than, like, gym.
4: (laughs) How do you deal with hecklers?
5: Oh, I don't. Not well. Um, I usually try to freight train through it. Like, that was weird, right? And then I don't acknowledge it, and then it gets weird, like it is now.
4: We're going to need you to bring whatever small heckling dealing with skills you have, Anthony Lopez, right now, because we would like to see what it's like when you deal with a public radio heckler. Okay. It's not like a regular heckler. This is a heckler who feels like they've donated to public radio, so they're really somebody. <laughs> this, is, this, is a different, this is a different animal you're going to be dealing with. Gotcha. Okay. Let's meet our heckler. An actual heckler from our audience. Well, I should say this. An actual audience member. Who we've we've asked to play our public radio heckler for Anthony Lopez's set, Uh, ma'am? What is your name?
2: Lucianne.
4: Lucianne. Okay. Have you ever heckled anyone before? No. No. (laughs) Is your husband raising his hand?
2: (laughs) It it appears so.
4: Uh, Lucian, we're getting some other information that you, in fact, have heckled people, specifically your <laughs> husband. Anthony, are you ready for this? Absolutely. Okay, Born let's just imagine like... you're on stage. Stand up. All right. You're doing your set. You're somewhere. Fire when ready.
3: Nice carbon footprint, dude.
4: <laughs> hey, do I come to your job and slap the kombucha
5: out of your mouth?
4: Oh. Hey. Oh. hey! All right. Anthony Lopez, ladies oh, yeah. and gentlemen. And thank you to our heckler as well. This week's show is brought to you in part by Alaska Airlines with 80 nonstops from Seattle. They've added New York's Kennedy Airport. Now the city that never sleeps is just a nap away. Alaska Airlines keeping you connected nonstop. More information at alaskaair.com. It's our all comedy show we're calling it Tight 5 and we're bringing you some of our favorite comedians from here in Portland and also Uh, out there in the rest of the world. Please welcome another member of Earthquake Hurricane here in Portland, the hilarious Alex Falcone.
0: Thank you guys so much. I am so excited to be here. I love any time I get to do stand-up. This is all I've ever wanted to do since I was a very little kid. And uh, I only recently realized that's not everybody's dream. Like some people, this is this is technically public speaking. Are any of you afraid of public speaking? Do you want to come tell us why? No, I, um, I get it. That's a stupid joke and genuine panic in that man's eyes. That, people are so scared. People, I, this is how afraid of public speaking some people are. I met an oncologist recently. A couple years ago, my dad beat cancer. And uh, he, you don't have, I didn't help. I didn't do anything. Uh, no, so I was, I was helping take care of him one day. I, I flew home, and I took him to his oncologist, and we were making conversation. She found out I was a comedian, and she was really impressed. She's like, what? You're a comic? That's the hardest job in the world. <laughs> then you're a terrible oncologist. <laughs> Didn't mean to stumble into a Rite Aid for this procedure. It's not the hardest job in the world. Sometimes I have these lovely public radio crowds. Usually I'm telling jokes in a bar so people will drink longer. It's, uh, it's all I've ever wanted to do, but I could be replaced by pretzels. That's me. But she was really impressed. She was like, what if you tell a joke and nobody laughs? I was like, Everybody lives through the night. It's great, really, doc. You'd like it. <laughs> and they, I wish it did scare me more, because that's the cool thing right now, is to scare yourself. That's what I was saying. My friend Rebecca's always saying stuff on Facebook, like, do one thing every day that scares you. <laughs> not every day. Becky, we're not in a Saw movie. Let's <laughs> dial it down a notch. It's 2016. You're not... You're not supposed to be scared every day. There aren't good ideas that scare you. There aren't that many. What are you going to do? You take you go skydiving. You take an improv class. By Thursday, you're down in Juarez playing Spin the Knife with a guy named Los Dangerous just to get a scare in for the day because you already dance like no one's watching. So I like to dance like people are forced to watch me. That's how I do it. Like Kim Jong-un at one of his birthday parties. That's what I do. That one's dark, you're right. It's a little dark. I uh, just figured out... I solved a mystery this week. I figured out why the bottom of my belly hurts. It's because it's been rubbing on the top of my belt. Solved that one. Yeah. Took me a while. I'm not a great detective. That was a surprise. That's a muffin top. That's the name of that feature. I have that feature. Uh, Don't feel bad if you have a muffin top. It's the best part of a muffin. So... It's it's like they put a cookie on a bowl of oatmeal. That's a muffin. I uh, was selling some clothes recently because I'm doing it well enough to buy new clothes but not well enough to just give the old ones away. So uh, if you guys have sold clothes recently, uh, are they judgy of everybody or just me? When you go in, they're real... Turn down the attitude, I think. With the used clothing place, I know they're bad clothes. That's why I put them in a garbage bag brought them to your trash boutique. They're bad... (laughs) I didn't go through my closet and go, this is my best outfit. I wonder if the clothes raccoons will give me $2. (laughs) I've been traveling a lot, which is great. I love to eat, though, and it's sad when you're traveling and you have to make decisions on what to eat based on uh, Yelp reviews. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but I'm starting to suspect that the people reviewing stuff on the internet are not our best people. Have you noticed this? (laughs) I'm a little concerned. uh, We're not putting our geniuses on this problem. I was in Austin, Texas, trying to find a bagel. First place, first review, said, too much cream cheese, one star. (laughs) I don't think you understand how bagels work, ma'am. I think... That's the point of a bagel is the cream cheese. No one was like, I wish my toast was chewy and the middle was missing. We're here. For delicious spreadable cheese you just had a really good day why not only am i going to that place i'm going to every place that woman hates i'm just following in her path of destruction pizza place the soda refills are too free and the slices are too big one star diner the staff is too friendly the waitresses will sleep with you and your wife will forgive you one star i'm alex thank you guys so much i really appreciate it alex falcone Hello, Alex. Hey, Luke. Good to see you.
4: What was the first joke you ever told, Alex?
0: Uh, the first, you know, at first when you start a lot of time, you tell stories. And, uh, but the first joke I ever wrote was about how bird songs are actually birds just talking about how great they are at sex, trying to get other <laughs> birds to sleep with them. So we shouldn't call them bird songs. We should call them bird raps.
4: Because that's how what rap were, is about. How old were you when you wrote that joke? This is like four years ago. Oh.
0: it's pretty recent. <laughs> okay.
4: That makes more sense. I think it, when
0: it when, ended with a pun about LL Blue Jay, it was not very good. <laughs> <laughs> you just seriously upgraded that joke in my mind with the LL Blue Jay,
4: Blue Jay reference. Yeah. What uh, what keeps you doing this? Did you
0: ever did you watch SpongeBob episode 2?
4: I, I probably so did, actually.
0: Yeah, it's great. So it's this ep- he like, s- splits his pants, and all the adults laugh at him. And so he spends the rest of the episode just like, splitting his pants over and over and over again, and it stops being funny. And that's what being a kid is like. I think that's the best metaphor for comedy. It's like, I made an adult laugh by saying something wrong, and they love it. And so I'm just going to say the same wrong thing every day. And then they stop laughing. You're like, i got to think of a new thing. So with SpongeBob, he like, then he ripped his underwear also. And that was his like, elevation of that bit. I, that's what comedy is. I'm like just tearing my pants on stage every night trying to chase that first high.
4: God, you make it sound so noble. <laughs> you guys have this great night here in Portland, Earthquake yeah. Hurricane, which is actually at a bike shop, and yep. it's
0: wonderful. Slash great... bar. It's a bike, slot, a bike shop with a bar in it that also right. sells artisanal coffee. It's the Portlandist thing. <laughs> they have a knitting class. Yes. It's as much... They will wax your mustache while you wait. It's for free. Yeah. Um, you,
4: you have put together some great nights of comedy. I think you tend to often be in environments where the crowd is is a good comedy crowd. They get it. Do you yeah. find yourselves in situations, though, where you're outside of that bubble and you're getting heckled or people are yelling things at you? And what do you do in that case?
0: I think the scourge of hecklers is an overblown concern. I feel like it's like sharks. It's like two or three a year and we act like we're all in danger. It doesn't... like. <laughs> Everyone, and comics talk about it like anyone who, who says anything in the audience is ruining your day. Because like, this is a one-sided conversation. And they'll say, like, you wouldn't go to the symphony and yell at the conductor. But that's because the conductor never turns around and is like, does anybody have cats? <laughs> like. You're if asking that, If questions. that does
4: happen, you're at a very low-rent symphony. <laughs>
0: yeah. Or a great one. That sounds fun. Yeah. Uh, but, like, so I feel like it's, you're starting it like it's a conversation and then acting like a prima donna when someone talks back to you. And I think that's, that feels wrong to me. So I feel like the, when someone's talking, they're 99% of the time, they think they're helping. And so if you, like, destroy them, like all those videos on, on YouTube of, like, comic destroys heckler, it's always, like, a drunk person who is, like, yeah, I love unicorns. And then a guy calls her names. So like, that's not a great night for anybody. I think, like, if somebody wants to talk, we'll talk about stuff until it it's not funny. And then I'll talk to somebody else and keep going.
4: For people in their car somewhere just tuning in, okay, yeah. this is our comedy show. This, by the way, is Live Wire Radio coming to you from Portland, Oregon. We've got some of our favorite comedians coming up and giving us their tight five, their, their, their favorite five minutes. <laughs> so here's what we've been doing uh, because this is a public radio show and yeah. we've got all these great comedians up. Yeah. So we're going to see your skills in a public radio heckling environment. So we've got actual audience members that did not know this was going to happen before the show. And we have given them some ammo, and now we're going to see how you respond, uh, ma'am. What is your name? Rachel. You doing good, Rachel? Are You nervous? She okay. probably was at the beginning, yeah. but now she's just bored. <laughs> 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 All right, Rachel. So we're at a public radio comedy club. Yeah. Alex Falcone, part of Earthquake Hurricane, is up there on stage. He's he's being hilarious. He's got the crowd right where he wants him. And then you say,
2: I've heard pledge drives funnier than you, and I'm talking about the ones hosted by Kai Rizdal.
0: <laughs> wow. It's pretty good. <laughs> See, I, we just c- celebrate. That's a great burn that <laughs> Rachel came up with. It was like, good job. We both had a good night.
4: This is very public radio. Sometimes you just accept, you accept that the heckle is valid criticism.
0: Anything that's pro-Kai Rizdahl, I'm pro that. I mean, <laughs> nice. I'm, a, I'm one of the Kai heads, as they yeah, call us. Alex Falcone. Thank you so Janus. much. I really appreciate it.
4: This is Livewire Radio coming to you from Mississippi Studios here in Portland, Oregon. Our musical guest this episode made his Livewire debut two years ago and he brought down the house. Aaron Jones's totally unique musical style has propelled his band, Aaron Jones and the Way, to gigs at South by Southwest, Sasquatch, and even opening for BB King. Please welcome the incredible Aaron Jones to Livewire. Aaron, hey welcome to LiveWire. Thank you, man. It's good to be back. Um tell me about this uh this new Seattle supergroup that you're singing with. Who's okay, it? are you ready, pro and Organ? Yeah. You ready? I guess this is this is like uh you're breaking news here, right? It's
6: a pretty big deal, yeah. Um so I um I have the privilege of announcing today that Mike McCready, Duff McKagan, and Barrett Martin are going to be in a supergroup called the Levy Walkers. Um, they are working on an album right now, and I am a, one of the featured artists on the album. we we'll be releasing the single later this fall. So wow, yeah. those are the guys from <laughs>
4: Pearl Jam, Guns and Roses at one point, then Velvet Revolver, Screaming right? Screaming Trees, Velvet Revolver, and yeah, geez,
6: yeah. yeah. does that make you nervous to like sing with those guys? Uh, it, it, you know, it's definitely something that you got to think about. You got to take some time to 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 process it all. But not really, though. I mean, I I've been. Grinding for the last I don't know six or seven years or something like that, and I feel pretty ready to start, you know, to start really putting my name out there. So,
4: well, what song are we going to hear here?
6: Uh, this one's called "Play Me a Song." All right, this yeah. is Aaron Jones on Livewire. <laughs> in the air, and people walk around me and act like they don't care, and isn't it funny how life can be unfair, but that's how it goes when it rains are close and nobody knows your pain. So, play me a song, young blues man. Play away my sorrow with the fingers on hand. Cause only you, baby, you can understand that that's how it goes when it rains and blows and nobody knows your pain. Lift me up with the music and set me down with your words. Play me a melody filled with harmonies I've never heard. Can you set me free? Free just like the birds. But that's how it goes when it rains and blows. And nobody knows your pain. So tired. I'm so tired of living this way. I'm so tired. I'm so tired of living this way. With the fingers on the Cause only your baby You can understand That that's how it goes When the rain's imposing Nobody knows
4: Jones, ladies and gentlemen. Wow, this is Live Wire Radio coming to you from Portland, Oregon. This week's show is brought to you in part by Whole Foods Market, featuring high quality meats that are free of antibiotics, added growth hormones, and animal byproducts in feed. Because buying a steak should be stress free. More information at WholeFoodsMarket.com. You are listening to Live Wire Radio from Public Radio International. Stay where you are. We'll be right back. We have now had Aaron Jones on Livewire two times, at least while I've been the host. This is Luke, by the way. We're we're back here in podcast land now. Um, and and the first time that we had Aaron on, I, the reaction inside at that time we were doing the show at a place called the Alberta Rose Theater in Portland. The reaction inside a the theater it was borderline a religious experience for people because it just the music was so affecting. Aaron's uh, singing uh, musicianship and just presence on stage was was just incredible um, he's being produced by Sir mix now and when they asked Sir mix why did you decide you wanted to produce this guy who plays you know guitar music basically if you don't know who Sir mix is if this were a different kind of public radio show we would explain to you who Sir mix is because in public radio there is no no pop culture reference and in fact no reference of any kind That ever goes unexplained, because sometimes you wonder if the people writing the intros think that the listeners have absolutely zero idea what's happening on the planet. Like, you know, the plane was brought down by the principle of gravity, which uh, now I'm going to try to describe gravity to you, and it's going to be a disaster. I'm going to make somebody angry by not describing the principle of gravity properly. This is my point, you guys. We, uh, we heard that Sir Mix-a-Lot was producing Aaron Jones. And, and when they asked him why, he said, because I heard him live. And I thought to myself, how is it that nobody is producing this guy? And so they have teamed up, and they've been making some pretty amazing music together. Uh, Livewire Radio is a, it's a unique thing, and here's how. Um, we are totally independent. We are distributed by Public Radio International, which is great, which we love. Um, and we're on a lot of radio stations, which is also great. If you, uh, if you don't hear us on the radio in your area, on the public radio airwaves, maybe call that station and say, hey, how's about you get some live wire on there? That would be cool for us. But we are independent, which means we have to figure out how to pay for live wire every single year. And that can be a real challenge. And one of the ways that we're able to get that done is because people join our league of extraordinary listeners. We have all kinds of amazing thank you gifts. If you'd like to donate Say ten bucks a month to this show. It takes a minute to sign up at livewireradio.org. We we quietly and discreetly deduct, you know, whatever amount you you feel comfortable with. Let's say it's ten bucks. That just go goes out of your checking account every month. It goes to Livewire. All of those ten bucks from everybody creates, uh, you know, the money that we use to make this show week in and week out to hire all the staff that work on the show to rent the venue to buy all of the gear and technical stuff that we need. Um, and it's all because of you out there in uh, in the League of Extraordinary listeners. We also, as I mentioned, have so many cool thank you gifts. We have tote bags and coffee from Portland and, um, and T-shirts. And I'm wearing one of the T-shirts right now. You can't see it, but I'm wearing a T-shirt that says Live Wire Radio with Luke Burbank. And it is the most comfortable T-shirt I own. I would only wear this within the confines of my house because... To be seen walking the streets of Bellingham, Washington with a T-shirt with my own name on it would would seem a little braggy. Instead, I like to just come on the podcast and brag about it. So here we are. The point is, if you have a moment right now, if you're listening to me and you are thinking, gosh, I like this podcast. I like this this radio show, LiveWire. Um, if you if you have a moment, will you please go to livewireradio.org and join our League of Extraordinary Listeners and um, and just kick in whatever amount on a monthly basis you feel okay with. It will definitely help us out. And we want to thank some of our current members. These are the people who have already been donating to LiveWire and, and have been making this thing possible. And they include Carol Isaacs, Anna Anderson, and David Larson. Carol, Anna, and David, thank you so much. We really, really appreciate it. Um, Carol, Anna, and David have been carrying the load for a while. So if you are out there and, and you've been thinking about donating to LiveWire, this would be a great time to head over to livewireradio.org. Oh, by the way, the coffee is uh, coffee has reached perfect temperature. I know a lot of you are on the edge of your seats. You had like canceled your afternoon plans. You said, I got to sit by my podcast playing device and listen to this thing to figure out if Burbank's coffee is, is okay or not. Well, the answer is yes. It turned out just fine. Okay, uh, we're going to go back to the actual regularly scheduled program, which would be uh, our tight five that we've been presenting you. And then when we come back towards the end of the show, we are going to read some of your emails. We are going to play one very, um, how do I describe this voicemail? Well, it has a lot of swears in it. So, uh, just heads up on that. But, um, and this is podcasting. So I guess we're allowed to, do that. you know, what Ira Glass would will always say is, uh, you know, on this American life is that we, we've decided to, to, uh, Leave the the swearing in for the podcast. If you'd like a beeped version, go to our website. I don't think we have a beeped version on Livewire. We just have an unbeeped version. So, coming up at the end of the show, we're going to play out voicemail. We're going to read some emails. Uh, but first, we have a little bit more of the Livewire Radio Show to play for you. So, enjoy. Welcome back to Livewire. <laughs> All right, we are super excited to get our next comedian out here. Eliza Skinner started her performing career in Richmond, Virginia, as an unnamed child revolutionary in a production of Avita. <laughs> Leveraging that star turn, she's appeared on At Midnight, MTV, Totally Biased, and even had one of her Funny or Die videos retweeted by President Obama himself. <laughs> she was selected to be one of the new faces of comedy at the Montreal Just for Laughs Festival. Please welcome Eliza Skinner to Livewire.
2: Coming on the stage right now, I'm coming on the stage, here I am. I just felt like I should participate. Uh, hey, I'm so excited to be out of L.A. Hi, Portland. <laughs> I am, I'm, I'm glad to be out of there. I do, I love L.A., um, But people make fun of it. But I do love it. It's where all my friends live. My ex-boyfriends. My current boyfriend... uh, That's the way to keep someone around, right? Um, (laughs) Calling him that. Um, But hey, (laughs) my current boyfriend is... He's a a few years younger than me. And that's fun. It's, you know, it's fun. It's whatever. Um, It feels kind of weird dating someone younger. Because I feel like I have all these, like, life spoilers. (laughs)
7: Like,
2: he's like... uh, Yeah, I'm gonna start a business with my friend, and I'm like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) oh, you don't know how it ends, okay? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Ah, I can't wait for you to finish so we can talk about it. (laughs) I want to ruin it for you though. (laughs) Okay. He's like, yeah, I don't gain weight or get hangovers. And I'm like, I am. So far ahead of you in the series. (laughs) You are never going to catch up. (laughs) It's nice being in a relationship. Just because you don't have to date. Like, I don't have to date anymore. Yeah, because you have to to get to know some stranger so fast. and feel so awkward. So so people ask those getting to know you questions. You know? Just that one question will just unravel your whole personality. (laughs) I had a guy on a date ask, Okay do you like cats or dogs? (laughs) And I was like, what, to draw? Are you serious? Are we six years old? You're asking me my favorite animal and you're giving me two choices? Like, I can't like both. Uh, I can like both cats and dogs. (laughs) And clearly, by the way that I've answered, the answer is cats. (laughs) I think the only reason to ask that question is to rule out all the people who are like, Oh, cats or dogs? (laughs) Neither. I like birds. Have you ever noticed that they have knives for noses? (laughs) And their eyes look like marbles pushed into tiny buttholes. (laughs) I let mine poop everywhere. I said that to a friend of mine, and he was like, Oh yeah, bird people are so weird. I knew this girl, she had a buttload of birds. And I was like, that doesn't sound like that many birds. <laughs> it depends a lot on the person <laughs> and the birds, like, like what they're willing to put up with. I feel like for me, it's maybe one bird, but I don't, I don't know, it's a guess, I have not checked. <laughs> yeah, people love making fun of cat people. Dog people are crazy, too, though. Oh, you guys are a good crowd. I said that in front of a crowd one time, and some woman in the back was like, No! <laughs> I imagine she still wakes up at night, like, We're not, right? Right? Fluffy? Bingo? Bango? No. <laughs> Gathering her dogs around her in bed. No, but you are. I mean, it's, and it's so crazy that there's this big difference, because it's just, what's the difference? It's just, too, it's just a different animal that you like to kiss on the mouth. We're all weirdos. But uh, I was listening to the radio one time, and this woman called in. It was like drive time radio. This woman called in, she was like, Yeah, I'm the lady with the dog that says I love you. And the DJs were like, All right, put them on. <laughs> so she's like, Okay, Sprinkles, come here. Say I love you. Say I love you. <laughs> and you just hear, Arrow! <laughs> Arrow! And I was like, oh, my God, that's what that woman thinks I love you sounds like. <laughs> that is so sad, right? Is it the only way she's heard it? I hope not. I hope not. I, I hope not. I'm Eliza Skinner.
4: <laughs> Eliza Skinner, ladies and gentlemen. Eliza, what was, uh, what was the first joke you remember telling?
2: The first joke I remember telling was... Uh, I feel like we've gotten a lot of rap reference jokes, but mine was um, that there are all these rappers with names like uh, Little Scrappy, uh, Little Bow Wow, Snoop Dogg. They just sound like the way that you get your rap name is you take your pet's name, and that's your rap name. So for instance, for me, uh, my rap name would be Princess Elizabeth Pawpads. <laughs> See, that's
4: Something a pretty like that. decent first joke. I guess when we, when we thought to ask the different comedians on this episode that question, the assumption was they would all of the jokes would be real, real bad at first. But maybe the takeaway is, if you're somebody who's going to be successful in comedy like you have turned out to be, maybe those people <laughs> write good jokes when they're starting out. A-
2: well, to be fair, I started stand up after I had already been doing improv for a long time and sketch. And so like I had I, I was already thinking in terms of funny um and just building it something that I could say myself was was the only change.
4: Okay, so you started <laughs> off you started off doing improv and things like that then you kind of worked your way into stand up comedy. Does that mean have you had terrible gigs?
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, my worst gig was, um, I did, co- it was corporate comedy. I was doing stand-up for, yeah, for a, s- for a big sales meeting for a, a, a huge company, which shall remain nameless, um, but...
4: But it rhymes with rarbies. Yes.
2: <laughs> and it was all about roast beef. Yeah. Um... <laughs> No, it was, uh, it was so it was this big corporate thing. But the problem was, so that's bad, anyway. That's right. bad, because they're all like, don't say anything about our CEO, but here's a list of his traits. And you're like, do I do it or not? Like, you do. They want you to make fun of their people, but then they tell you not to.
4: But I also assume, is this in the daytime or at nighttime?
2: Yes, it's in the daytime. It's at 8 o'clock in the morning.
4: <laughs> oh, you mean the comedy hour.
2: Yeah, and everyone in the room is sitting at big, like these big circular tables. There's like 12 people to a table with their bosses and people they work with but minus 60 employees of the company who got fired the week before. So yeah. it was Rarby's. <laughs> and the night before the first day when I, that I was opening with my stand-up, a man died in the pool. <laughs> Not a man from this group, but in the hotel. So it was like, Eliza, don't say anything about pools or dying. Go. And I was like, well, why would I? Oh, God.
4: <laughs> that is brutal. Why then... Why do you do comedy? What is it about this particular, uh, this, this job that, that speaks to you?
2: Um, I've just always loved comedy, ever since I was a little kid. I always loved comedy. I'm smart. I like smart stuff, um, and intelligence is great, but funny is, like, magic intelligence. Do you know what I mean? Like, like with, with being smart, it's just like, well, that's, that's handy, um, but if you can make someone laugh, you did a magic trick. Like, you made something happen just with your thoughts. Uh, it's always just been so exciting to me. <laughs>
4: <laughs> is it still as exciting now as, as when you started out?
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really like the challenge of creating different jokes for different things. You know, I, I write for TV now and have to do, you know, specific types of humor every day. Um, but I'll, also what keeps me in it now is I really like comics.
4: How do you feel your heckle your, your Tai Chi against hecklers is?
2: pretty good. Um, I think there's a few different varieties of hecklers. Like, yeah, there's the ones that just want to have a conversation. My best friend that I grew up with is a heckler. She's that type. I can't take her to shows anymore, and it's sad.
4: Well, we've got her here.
2: Oh, no! (laughs) Not really,
4: but we do have, because this is a public radio show, a public radio heckler. This is, let me explain for those just joining us. This is actually just a member of our audience who we asked before the show if they'd be willing to read a public radio heckle at you Eliza Skinner. So let's not hold it against this person who is named what? Peg. Peg. Oh,
2: she seems nice. I can't yeah. destroy her. Oh, please don't. Yeah. Are you... Oh.
4: <laughs> oh, are you kidding? Peg, nice guy, McGillicuddy? Oh. She's one of the meanest hecklers in Portland. you am going to tear out your guts, her whole Peg. whole thing is she pretends to be super nice to everybody. Uh, so... Let's imagine, Eliza, that you're performing stand-up, okay. and uh, Peg, heckle the heck out of Eliza. All right. Public radio style.
2: In-skeep, in-skeep, in-skeep. Is that local?
4: <laughs> I believe she was chanting in-skeep, as in Steve in-skeep, the host of Morning Edition. Are you familiar with?
2: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, wait, wait, I'll tell you what to do with that kind of heckling. <laughs> <laughs> eh? I don't know. That's not bad.
4: That's not bad. (laughs) Eliza Skinner, ladies and gentlemen, and also Peg, our heckler. Thank you. All right, here we are at the end of the show. Let's tell you who helped make it all happen. Thank you to our guests, Eliza Skinner, Alex Falcone, Anthony Lopez, Brie Pruitt, and Aaron Jones. This show is made possible in part by our sponsors, New Belgium Brewing Company, Whole Foods Market, Ergo Depot, and Alaska Airlines. Hotel accommodations generously provided by Provenance Hotels. Robin Tenenbaum is the executive producer and co-creator of Livewire. Laura Hatton is our producer and editor. Our announcer and writer is Jason Rouse. Our house band is Jonathan Newsom and A. Walker Spring. Molly Pettit is our technical director. House sound by Daniel Blake. Our air mix is by Mr. Jason Powers. Elia Unverzat is our backstage coordinator. Thanks to Revival Drum Shop, Our development director is Kim Bergstrom. Our operations manager is Lauren Masterson. Additional funding provided by the Meyer Memorial Trust, Work for Art, and the Oregon Arts Commissions. To find out more about our show and how to become a member, go to livewireradio.org. For more information about LiveWire, go to livewireradio.org and download our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. I'm Luke Burbank. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.
7: R.I. Public Radio
4: International. Okay, here's where we're going to read some uh, some emails and we're going to play some V-mails. I feel like we should have, maybe we should have music for this segment. I know this is the first time we've ever done this. See, what happened was, last week, I put the call out. I said, if you're listening to this podcast somewhere, please email me or call our voicemail line. And I genuinely didn't know if anybody was going to uh, email in or call in, but but you guys did which is really, really cool. Uh, We got an email from Linda. Linda said, "Um, here is what I thought of while I listened to the last episode of LiveWire, which, by the way, was called Rebel Rebel. Uh, Linda said, my niece just moved to Bellingham, Washington this year. She teaches middle school math. It's a long way from Rhode Island, but she loves it. Okay, it's a good observation, Linda. I also live in Bellingham, Washington. Um, I'd never thought about it in terms of its distance from Rhode Island, but that is one way to... To think about this city. We're way up in the northwest corner of the United States. I I jokingly call Bellingham the Tijuana of Canada. Because we are just, just on the other side of the U.S. border from Canada. Uh, Linda also said, Paul F. Tompkins was very funny. I always enjoy interviews with comedians. And Star Wars. I think that was because we had a um, contest where we had Paul F. Tompkins try to decide if... We were giving him a name that was part of the Rebel Alliance in Star Wars or that was a discontinued piece of Ikea furniture. And it is a shockingly hard task, by the way. I think he got every single question wrong. Uh, Listener uh, Linda also says, I learned that the Potato Famine Memorial here in Rhode Island is more than I thought. We talked to a guy, Tim Egan, uh, who writes for the New York Times, who has a book out called The Immortal Irishman. And that book details uh, the life of Tom Marr, who was an Irish revolutionary who then became a, an American um, military leader in the Civil War and then eventually the governor of Montana. And it gets into Irish history. We talked about the potato famine in Ireland, and uh, it was interesting stuff. Also, uh, listener Linda was reminded um, why she doesn't drink Red Bull, though she thinks Brie Pruitt is hilarious. Second week in a row, this week is, by the way, second week in a row we have an appearance from Brie Pruitt on this podcast. Last week, when the theme was Rebel Rebel, she showed up, She thought the theme was Red Bull, Red Bull, and she just got whacked out of her mind on energy drinks, and it was a whole situation. And Linda says, the last thing is, you reminded me that I need to renew my League of Extraordinary Listeners membership. Well, thanks, Linda. Now is the perfect time for you to do that. We also got an email from listener Rebecca who said, I wanted to let you know how much your show has meant to me. I have a super rare disease that took 15 years and five neurologists to diagnose. When I have bad weeks, your show really helps me to feel better. It gives me a chance to smile and to laugh when nothing else in my life can do it. I hate TV, so long live radio and podcasts. Signed, Listener Rebecca. Well, Rebecca, thank you for that. That is an extremely kind thing for you to say. And to the degree that our show is providing you some solace, um, we're we're honored to do that. And we hope that you you feel as, as good as is possible. Listener Robert, never one to be long-winded, said, uh, Luke, I enjoy the podcast. And then he has one of those um, auto signature things, which I I don't think is is meant to be germane to last week's edition of the LiveWire podcast. I think it's just an auto thing. But but Robert's uh, email says, when we remember, we are all mad. The mystery disappears. And life stands explained, which was, I guess, something that was said by Mark Twain. And then last but not least, uh, listener Monty says the expanded version of the LiveWire podcast was a great improvement. Thank you, Monty. I appreciate you saying that, since I think this was sort of my idea, along with um, Lauren Masterson, who's our director of operations, and also Kim Bergstrom, who is our um, development director. Um, So thanks to all of them for making this possible. That being said. If you guys didn't like this new version of LiveWire podcast, I would feel personally quite hurt. So thanks for saying that, Monty. Um, Monty says, I have chosen myself to speak for all of Denver. So tell your bosses the people have spoken. Um, (laughs) This has been LiveWire. Oh, I know what this is a reference to. I said at the uh, end of the first edition of the new improved LiveWire podcast. Boy, that's a mouthful. I said that we need a a sign-off at the end of the show. And so Monty has some ideas. Uh, this has been Livewire. Until next time, stay lively and wired. That's pretty good. Um, he also says we could end the show by saying "Keep the wire live," or "May your life be lively and may your wires never cross." It's uh, Those are all pretty decent. If you if you have an idea for a um, if you have an idea uh, for a um a, a new kind of I don't know what you call it, tagline slogan ender for the show, email it to me. Will you? It's uh, Hey Luke at LiveWireradio.org. Hey Luke at LiveWireradio.org. And uh, we'll just kind of get a running list going and maybe we'll try a few out. Um, and uh, maybe on this show, I will end with actually like, this has been LiveWire. Until next time, stay lively and wired. Well, I don't know. I don't want people to feel like I'm bossing them around, telling them they have to be lively and wired. Keep the wire alive. I wonder if he means the, the TV show, which was amazing. Someday on this podcast, I will uh, tell you the story of me stalking David Simon, the guy who wrote the TV show The Wire, and how it eventually actually worked. And I got him to be on one of the shows that I host. Anyway, it's Hey Luke at livewireradio.org. Um, and then also the phone number is 803LW Radio. Okay. Last but not least, we got a voicemail which I did not think was going to happen. Somebody actually called our phone line, and uh, we're going to end on that. And then we will have uh, one more song from Aaron Jones, uh, which will actually start with a joke. Remember, this, show was, this edition of Livewire was called Type 5. It was a comedy show for us. And so Aaron Jones decided uh, that he, even though he was the musical act, he was going to lay a joke down, too. So we'll have a joke from Aaron, and then we'll have uh, an amazing piece of music from him. First, though, this is a voicemail. From a listener who is remaining anonymous, I want to warn you, there are a couple of swears in it. It will make sense when you hear the listener describing where and when in time they are recording this. Again, they called the LiveWire voicemail line, which is, if you remember, 803 LW Radio. Uh, Take a listen to this.
1: LiveWire Radio, you guys are fucking fantastic. I'm calling from Oregon City from my front porch at, I think, 527 a.m., um, I'm a bartender, so I'm enjoying some organ brews after my shift, and I listen to you all every time I clean up the bar. I stick my iPhone into my bra, and I listen to your live podcast. And it makes my night so much better. I don't expect you to do anything with this podcast, or with this, uh, holy shit. I just love you guys. Luke Burbank, I've never seen a picture of you before in my entire life, but I have a huge crush on you, as well as Ira Glass. I have seen the picture of him, but I've never seen one of you. I'm
4: going to have to pause the voicemail right here and just tell this listener, do not look up a picture of me. The crush will evaporate instantaneously.
1: Pretty fucking fantastic. Uh, You guys are great, and I listen to you every time, and I still have yet to actually come to a live show, even though I live probably about 25 minutes away from where you do your live show. But I just want to say that you guys are amazing you make my life so much better, and uh, yay. Bye.
4: That is the inaugural voicemail here on the Live Wire podcast. And profane as it was and also self-serving as it was because this listener was saying very nice things, I think that's going to be hard to top. That was pretty good, but I think you guys can top it. So if you get a chance, call us up, eight zero. It doesn't just have to be positive. It doesn't just have to be how you have a crush on me and Ira Glass. Interesting note, if you have not looked at a picture of Iroglass for some crazy reason, all you need to do is look at a picture of young Bernie Sanders. I'm talking about Bernie Sanders when he was like thirty-five, looks exactly like Iroglass at thirty-five. If you don't believe me, go on the internet and, and, and research it for yourself. I'm not sure who I look like at age thirty five, but um I know that Bernie not now, like Bernie Sanders now looks like Larry David from Um, curb your enthusiasm, but Larry, (laughs) Larry David, but uh, Bernie Sanders at age 35 looks like Ira Glass at age 35. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. 803-597-2346. Uh, please call this week and leave us some more voicemails and we will actually play them. And then even if they're, you're telling us things about the show this week that were not great, that's fine. We can take it sort of. Uh, and then also email us, Luke at livewireradio.org. Okay, that's it for this part of the podcast. We're going to play you some bonus material here. Here's another song from Aaron Jones that did not make it into the radio broadcast. Uh, have a great week, everybody. We'll be back here uh, with the Livewire podcast again in uh, a few short days. Until then, what did I say I was going to say? Until then, keep the wire alive, why don't you? Oh, and this coffee's cold now. I'm to microwave it again. Put it on two minutes. All right. Please welcome back to the stage, Aaron Jones.
6: Look, I have a joke.
4: Hold on. Aaron has a I joke. Wanna t- I want to tell my joke. Okay, hold on. Let's get your microphone on. I have a joke just because okay, I, I this is, bad I didn't have a joke today. This, this, is so a to show. this is a comedy show. This so
6: is a comedy show. It's have to be funny. Okay, what do you got? So I have this thing that I do when I get home. I talk to my laundry, you know? It's you weird. talk to your laundry. I talked to my laundry. So yesterday I come home and I see my paw of laundry and I said, Hey, there's my laundry. I said, Hey laundry. It's okay, nobody's doing me either. <laughs>
4: nice. And you're your own, you're your own backing <laughs> section with the guitar. That's probably why people don't use acoustic guitar in comedy just like turned into classical gas or something after you made a <laughs> having sex with laundry joke all right aaron what are we gonna hear here uh this is a song
6: i wrote it's gonna be on my next album it's called take your time this is aaron jones on live Wire. thank you <laughs> Yeah. Give me your heart, I'll be the best you've ever Just take your time. Hey, I wonder if we can sing too. Can you guys sing on me here? Just take your time.